Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So we're going to try something new here. Okay, we're going to do a series. That's not what's new. We're going to do the series, and it's on the rhythm of Jesus. But if we're going to talk about the rhythm of Jesus, I wanted to show you an object lesson of what rhythm is. So you kind of know where we're headed and what we mean by having rhythm. So um, the song they just played was Multiplied, and so they're going to play it right now. So just Lair and Char, go ahead. Okay, now do you feel like you want to move your feet, right? Some of you are like, well, that's a little too simple. So some of you want to like, there's this thing, it's like this pattern that you feel, and that's called rhythm. Now, this is going to be extremely hard for Tyler. It's very brutal for him. It's going to drive him crazy. But I want you to play a different song. Okay, go ahead. Now, we can only do that for a little bit, right? Because it starts to drive you a little crazy. In fact, we want to make it even worse. I could ask Heidi to put on a song from iTunes that's completely different. Okay, but now it, it's so hard for them that if I just want them to just fall into rhythm with them, it's going to be easy for them to do. So now they're going to fall back into rhythm. Thanks, guys. Can you please thank them for playing such bad music for that period of time? It was a big sacrifice for them. Trust me. So I wanted to show you that because what we're going to be talking about is rhythm, the rhythm of Jesus. And, our, and for us to figure that out, I want you to remember that because that thread of rhythm is going to go through the next few weeks. So hopefully that will help you to understand what we mean by rhythm. Okay, if you could grab your Bibles and open up to Luke chapter 10. And if you don't have a Bible, we will bring one to you. So Luke chapter 10, and we will be starting in verse 38. It's the same passage that we had for the scripture reading. So I was in college, and when you're in college, you, uh, especially as a guy, it's the kind of thing that you're supposed to do, or at least try to do, which is start a band. And so we started a band. And um, then I graduated, and there was also a drummer that we had that graduated as well. So they had to find a new drummer. So we got everyone together, and we were looking for the new drummer. And at the school I went at, they had this uh, chapel that was on the campus that anybody could go to. The doors were always unlocked, and you could just get in. So you can imagine all the uh, stuff that went on with that. But we could do tryouts for a new drummer. 
So we had the band up there, and um, they could bring, you know, their own kit and set it up. So they would come, and we'd have all kinds of people that show up. And a lot of them thought, well, I always wanted to be in a band. And so they would just show up with a kit, but that didn't mean they knew how to play drums. And so they'd come up there and play, and we'd be playing. And, you know, the, uh, we had a guitarist named Chris. He'd be over here. We had a piano player. That tells you how old school we were. And so uh, Norty, who's my best friend still, was playing the uh, piano, and the different drummers would roll through. And then Tim Waters showed up. And so he showed up, and they're playing, and he's in the back. And when he was playing the drums, so Norty's over here on the piano, and then we got Chris over here, right? And then the drummer. When, when Tim started playing, he was so good that everything fell into place. To the point where Chris looked over at Norty, and Norty looked over at Chris, and it was on. They're like, all right, done. And the auditions were done because they said, this is the way that uh, John described it. He said, I felt like I was trying to carry us, and I didn't know where we were going until the drummer was in control. Because that's what the drummer is supposed to do. The drummer is almost like the conductor. And if the conductor's off, everybody is off. That's what we mean by rhythm. Rhythm is a, is a pattern. You see it in life all the time. You see patterns. If you walk into a house, um, I, I have an issue. I have an issue in our office. I have an issue in your office. I have an issue in my house. I'll have an issue in your house. If I walk in, if something is not following the pattern, it drives me crazy. You know what I'm talking about? I'm looking at one of our designers, and she's laughing. Because those of you who are interior designers, I'm not one, but I have that little piece of me that is. You walk in, something's not right. And someone might like one pattern, and you like a different one. So you walk in, and it throws you off because it's not a pattern you like. You can see that with clothes. Um, if you've had kids, you know what I'm talking about. If you ever let them pick out their own clothes... And you're like, oh, I want them to be unique. I want them to be their own. I can't believe they're wearing that, especially if you let the girl go. Because the guys, it's kind of like, all right, you're ragamuffin. I get it. But if you let the girl out, like if I let our two boys out and things didn't match, you know, they had stripes here, floral there. Of course, stance socks has messed up the whole thing. So they've got one sock here. Of course, they never match. So they've got the mismatch one over there. Sometimes different shoes. It's kind of a bummer, but it's, oh, it's kind of cute. But if I ever let my daughter walk out with Ugg boots, which was just, you're never supposed to do that, I guess, and then she would choose to wear these floral pattern, like, tight things, and then I don't even know how to describe the top, but I knew it didn't match. There's a pattern. There's a rhythm to that. And when it's off, you know. There's all kinds of of. of patterns. There's all kinds of rhythms. And when they're off, it comes to your attention. It's, it's jarring. It's almost like that music. When, you, when we have the band practicing sometimes and we're trying to test out the, um, the iTunes to make sure it works so we can play music that we want to and they're going on at the same time, uh, you just can't wait for it to stop because something's not right. The rhythm is the conductor. The rhythm is the metronome by which things are supposed to move. So you have a pattern um, in the seasons. You have a pattern with night and day. You have a pattern in conversations. 
Some people don't know how to work into the rhythm of a conversation. And when they jump in and they're talking, it's like, wait, why are we going here? And it's, you know something's off. Or maybe you're that person. And so you don't even like talking because you feel like I'm not in the rhythm. I don't understand these rhythms. Um, I remember for me, I had a hard time when, when I was in a conversation and someone said, yeah, we should hang out sometime. I thought that meant they really wanted to hang out sometime. That's just, I was very literal, almost to a, um, well, to a degree where I would go, okay, so let's set up a time. And they'd look at me all weird, like, well, well, well. I was just saying let's get together. I didn't mean it. And it didn't mean they didn't like me. It didn't mean they wanted to hang out, but it was an Orange County thing. I'm not from Orange County. I didn't understand this thing that was happening. It was a rhythm that you have here in Orange County that being from San Diego 15, whatever years ago it was that we, well, it was more than that. Oh, wow, that was a long time ago. 23 years ago, uh, I'm like, wait, so you guys say we should hang out. You don't really mean it. You just say that, and everybody kind of understands. I didn't understand the pattern. I didn't understand the rhythm. Um, Relationships, finances, there should be a pattern to your finances. Hopefully, it's a healthy pattern, a healthy rhythm, but some of us don't have that. Um, Behavior, there's a rhythm to life. And that's what we're going to be talking about during this series. And you know when things are off, don't you? You're going to know when there's something jarring. We talk about balance. That's the buzzword, right? I want to have my life in balance. To me, my opinion on that, that is a misnomer and that is impossible. What does balance look like? I'd like one person to tell me anything they may have in balance, and it's always in balance. It's like when you go to the beach and you see that someone took forever to, like, line up those rocks and build that little mountain of just rocks. You know what's going to happen. It's in balance. It ain't going to stay that way. It's like a, a seesaw. It, it's, it's on a triangle, right? Or old school, we'd have triangles, and then you'd have this bench across it and a chair over here and a chair over there. Try to keep that thing in balance. And so some of us are trying with this buzzword to have a life of balance. Yet I think we're attempting something that's impossible. But you can have a life of rhythm. A life where you know the beat that you're supposed to be keeping. And you know that you're not the drummer. But you are lined up with a drummer that is moving. That's what... That's what rhythm is. If you have rhythm, you have a song. You have a dance. And when your life has a rhythm to it, a healthy rhythm, you know it. Now, there are going to be times when you're off a little bit, but you know the rhythm because you know the person that's keeping the beat. Do you have that in your life? If you are weary and burdened, you're out of rhythm. If you feel off, if you are distracted, if you're upset, if you're worried, you're out of rhythm. And we're going to look at what we do with that. We're going to look at how Jesus deals with that because through this whole series, we're going to look at the rhythm of Jesus. And we're going to look at it when he is with others and they are with him when they're out of rhythm and then when he brings them into rhythm. So open up your Bible to Luke chapter 10. And one thing you're going to know about Jesus is he is a revolutionary. Or if we're going to keep on this rhythm metaphor, he sets a new beat. 
It's almost like the first person that ever created the offbeat, where you know you don't do it here, you do it at the off one. Whoa. There was someone at some time that created that. Probably so far long ago that it will never be recorded, but it's out there. Jesus, that's what a revolutionary is, someone that, that, that changes the beat. And so the world was going in one direction, he went another one, especially when it comes to women. Because when we look here in Luke 10, you're going to see women there. You're like, okay, yeah, there's a couple women, and Jesus went to their house. No, 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 that was completely unheard of. In fact, if you were in synagogue, which for the Jewish culture is basically church, so when you look in the Old Testament, when you look in the New Testament, you see them gathering together. Church is not something we made up. It's a rhythm that's been there since the beginning. And 2,000 years ago, it was there. And Jesus, at Jesus' time, when you walked into the synagogue, there was a prayer. And not just a prayer that a few people said. It was in the Talmud. And men would pray this prayer. Oh, Lord, thank you that you did not make me a woman. That was prayed and the dudes were like, yeah, that's what we do. And the women were like, yes, that's what you do. And then in that synagogue, the women would be in another place, outside, like disconnected. So all the men would be here, and then the women would be somewhere else. They weren't allowed to interact. That was part of the culture. Um, on top of that, if they took a vote, you don't count the women. Even when you hear about the feeding of the 5,000, that's the 5,000 dudes that doesn't count the women because that's how that culture was. So then you have Jesus come along, and we know all these stories where he's interacting with women, right? You have the Samaritan woman that comes out to the well, and Jesus talks to her. And remember, she's surprised. Why? Because you don't do that. And not only is she surprised that he's even talking to her, but he's asking for help. Hey, can I have some water? <gasps> You're talking to me. You know that's not how we roll. What are you doing? Remember that he had, his, um, he had his feet washed. He was um, anointed by a prostitute, not just a woman, but a prostitute woman. And he gives gratitude to her for that. As he's traveling, he has women that are traveling with him. He's got the men and the women. That's not how they did back then. He is creating a new rhythm because that's what he does. He's the drummer. He sets the tone. And so he is, you see this, and you see this in this Luke chapter 10 section that we're looking at, because he's traveling with his men. They've gone, they've gone on this uh, tour, and he, it's rough. And in fact, they're going through the desert, literally through the de desert of Samaria. And they're coming on the east side of the Mount of Olives. So for those of you who have gone on one of our trips to Israel, you know what I'm talking about. There's the Mount of Olives, and it's this huge hill, and it goes up and up and up, and then it goes down, and it goes down towards a city that's about two miles away called Bethany. So Jesus and his crew are coming, and they come to Bethany, and they know someone there. They know Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Now, here's the thing you need to know, too. Is we mentioned the name Mary. There's a bunch of Marys in the New Testament, to the point where you can't remember which one's which. This is not Mary Magdalene. That's someone else. This is, uh, we do know that Mary washes uh, Jesus' feet, but it's at a different time. So there's two separate women that wash his feet. So this is the Mary who is the sister of Martha and the sister of Lazarus, and she lives in Bethany. So you need to get that straight because we don't want you to be confused on which Mary we're talking about. So Jesus comes, and he comes right to their door, and they're welcomed in. 
And that's where we're going to start off. But I want you to even see from the beginning that Jesus is doing things differently here. Okay, so here we are. Jesus' disciples were on their way. They're on their way to Jerusalem. And he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Like with Scripture all the time, when you're reading the Word of God on your own, again, that's another rhythm that you should have, a rhythm of of being in the Word. If you're like, oh, I I was going to try to do it every day, and then I blew it, so oh well. That doesn't, you need to have this rhythm and this pattern. You miss the day, so what? Have the rhythm in your life of being in the Word. So when we read the Word sometimes, it's very sterile. We miss what's happening there. So I want us to put on our Middle Eastern eyes. And when Jesus shows up, when you show up to someone's house, there's a hospitality there like none other. Yesterday, we needed to borrow a stroller. And my daughter was afraid to go say hey to the neighbors to ask for it. In this kind of a community, oh, it's on. Oh, you want this stroller? No, baby, you want this stroller. Hey, why don't you come in for breakfast? And if you don't come in for breakfast, you feel bad. It's this this element of hospitality that blows your mind. When they're in synagogue and they cross the aisles, oh, you're coming to my house. No, 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 I want you to come to my house. No, 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 no. I've already got waffles and stuff I made the night before for you. And I have coffee. It's this extra level of caring for each other. And so it's understood that Mary's going to do this. It's understood that Martha's going to do this. Come on in. And so Martha gets right away to cooking, right? Let's say she's pulling out some bread. She's kneading the bread. She's, got, she's already ready to go. Because if you're in this culture and you're going to have this element of hospitality, you've got to be ready for when hospitality shows up. And so they show up with Jesus and all of his stinky friends. They've been walking, sweating, dirty feet. They all come in. And it says that Martha goes right to uh, cooking and getting things ready, but she had a sister, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, I did not grow up in church. Some of you have. This passage is one of those passages that is one of those passages that people don't really like to bring up because it starts fights. Because people will say, oh, well, you're a Martha, but I'm a Mary. Or someone will say, you know what? I'm a little too much Martha. I need to be a little bit more Mary. You've missed the whole concept here. This is not talking about should we help and put things together or should we just be contemplative? Should we be the type of people that get things done? Or should we be spiritual people that just sit to listen to Jesus? This is not comparing personalities. This is not raising or lowering the value of serving or sitting at Jesus' feet because you can be both. There's something else that's happening here. But we see by the personalities that Martha, and we've seen this in other places, she has a rhythm in her life. And we'll get to that in a second, but she's the one that's usually preparing the food and getting things done, probably because she's good at it. If you come to my house, my wife will get right to it. If you've ever been to my house, you know, because she's good at it. And she loves to do it. Why? Because she's good at it. And she loves to bless people with it. So there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, we have people just find, especially young men, I find 
finding excuses to find a way to our house because they know they're going to get food. And that's, I think, what Martha was known for. Like, oh, man, she just takes care of people. So Mary, she's sitting at the Lord's feet. Now, Martha breaks the rhythm here. Remember, there's, there's, a, there's a conversation, there's a flow, and then Martha breaks it. And we don't know what brings her to that exactly, but we know. It says here that she was distracted. So Martha's distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she came to him and she asked. Although it says the word asked, I don't hear any asking going on here. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. That doesn't sound like a question. Tell her to help me. Now, you know what's happening in that room, right? Because you've been part of that situation where someone jumps in and you know they just, they're, they're, something jarring has just happened, something that doesn't follow the rhythm of what's going on. Someone's ticked. Someone's upset. So people weren't like, oh, yeah, okay, Martha. No, they're like, ah. And then you have the, the men, because they usually don't know what to do, especially when a woman gets upset. So you've got the men, like you can see Peter, and you can see them just going, ah. They kind of look around. They don't know what to do. Mary, she's used to this. We don't know how she responds, but she's used to this. But she, she breaks everything up. Now, one thing that we know about this, and we've already discussed this, this is not an encounter where the point of the encounter is to get across to us that we shouldn't serve. She's distracted. So you can serve, but she's distracted. That word actually means over-busy. Now, I know many of you from Orange County have no idea what I'm talking about. We talk about being over busy, but it means trying to do more than you can physically do, emotionally do, mentally do. And it gets to the point where you're distracted. Martha, there's nothing wrong with preparing. There's nothing wrong with serving, but she is distracted. To the point where you can see her getting the bread ready, and she's looking over into this room, and you have peripheral vision, right? Well, you have peripheral hearing, too. So pretty soon, she can't hear what they're talking about. Maybe they're talking about the travels. Maybe they're talking about some jokes, you know, on the road trip with the guys and their crew. But it's starting to fade out for her, so she's starting to get angry. And now, the bread, she's not kneading it for the point of baking it. She's kneading it like it's one of those stress balls. And it's building. And so maybe she's even hitting some pans or knocking some things around so people will remember that she's in there. But nobody notices her, and then it just starts to grind on her. And then it builds to the point where it explodes. Don't you care? We've all felt that way before, haven't we? Whether it's preparing or whether it's just something's going on with you and nobody else notices. Maybe someone hurts your feelings. Maybe you put yourself into a situation, but it seems like someone else put you into that situation. Or maybe it's your circumstances, just the circumstances of nature, of life, and nobody's coming to care for you. No one's coming to help you. And there's that thought, that feeling, where you assume the worst of others. You don't care. And who does she say this to? To Jesus. You ever been to that point in your life? God, where are you? Do you not care what's happening to me? She just says it. So we know something about her. She's bold. 
She's courageous, but she's also out of rhythm. Something's going on inside of her that is not following the rhythm of her design. Don't you care that my sister doesn't even give her a name? Now, now she's just sister. Don't you care that she's left me? Now she's blaming Mary. You've never done that, I understand. But there are situations where you get so angry, and especially with a sibling or someone in your family or your spouse or your kids, where it's their fault. But the problem here is what's happening inside of Martha. She's distracted. She's over busy. She's trying to do something that she doesn't need to do. She wants to do. She wants something from it. She's not getting what she wants. She feels disconnected. And so she goes out of rhythm and tries to break the music that's playing. But look at Jesus' response. He says, Martha, Martha. And we could just keep going, but he says her name twice. That's also a pattern. That's a rhythm that Jesus has. He does it a few other times, and I want us to look at those. Because that will help us understand what Jesus is trying to do, how he's going to get her back on track. Because he's a few other times, these are just a few of them I chose, where he says a name and he says it twice. And see if you can notice the pattern of why he's doing it and the heart in which he says it. So he said it to uh, Jerusalem, the whole city, as he's praying over it. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. Obviously, that's a little jarring. That's probably not in the rhythm of their design. And Jesus speaking from a divine perspective, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you are not willing. He's speaking from the heart of a mom, right? Like a, a, a mother chicken with her chicks. Peter. Peter's about to go through it. He's about to be tested. He's about to go through a trial and a circumstance. And Jesus gives him the heads up. Simon, Simon says his name twice. Satan is asked to sift all of you as wheat. He goes on to say, it's going to be tough, but when you return. So Jesus knows that he's going to make it through this, but it's not going to be easy. So what kind of tone does he have? Probably that same tone, that same rhythm of care, of compassion. Or he says to Saul, um, and Saul, who later becomes Paul, is saying this about himself. He says, I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, let's go back to our situation with Martha. I've been in those situations. In fact, I remember specifically somebody calling on the phone and yelling at me. Don't you care? I was a coach, and we had all these kids, and Mama Bear came out, and she was not happy. Not my mama, not my wife, some other lady, and I don't even know how she got my phone number, and she was going off. And you know how I responded? I'll just make up a name. We'll just say uh, Martha. We'll say her name was Martha. On the phone, I went, Martha, Martha. Oh, no, 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 no. She's yelling at me. I'm like, what are you? So I, you just, you fall into rhythm, don't you? That's what we do to the world around us. So she starts yelling at me. I started off good. I was good in the beginning. You would have been proud of me. I was really patient. I'm like, whoa, whoa, let's talk about this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And then it just kept going, and then she started, you're a liar, and this. And then she started attacking me. Oh, it's on. And I didn't even know what was happening. 
Because that's what happens when you're in a band. That's when you're happy with others, and the rhythm just keeps beating. You just fall in line to that rhythm. And so pretty soon, I'm sounding like her. I'm yelling at the same decibel level. And then at one point, I've never had this happen before when I've lost it, she goes, go ahead, do it. And I could tell she was like chiding me. I'm like, she knows what's going to happen here. So she broke the rhythm for me, and I like went, you know what, I think I should just let you go. And I did the little calm voice, kind of sounded Martha, Martha-ish when I said it. But Jesus, you see, there's a rhythm to him. In all of these responses, you can't see him saying, Simon, Simon. Like, it just doesn't sound right. There's this compassion, this is care, because he wants more than anything for us to fall into rhythm. And so that's what he's doing to Martha here. He's trying to show her. Because like me, she's lost her cookies. She's been distracted, over busy. The emotions are flying, and she's off. So this is what he teaches her. Jesus, the Lord, answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the best part. It will not be taken away from her. What's the one thing? Is it that she's sitting at Jesus' feet? That's how you'll hear most people talk about this, but that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense because you need to put on your Middle Eastern eyes and see what's happening here. See, because Mary also has this pattern that we see in her life. There's three times that we see this Mary of Bethany. And all three times that we see her in Scripture, she's at the feet of Jesus. There's this time. And then there is after Lazarus, her brother, dies. And Jesus is coming to town. We're going to talk about this next Sunday. We're talking about this rhythm. And so as Jesus is coming, it says Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, and then she fell at his feet. We see another time later after Lazarus has been raised from the dead. Spoiler alert, or spoiler happened. Lazarus is going to die, and then he's going to be raised from the dead, and they have this big meal. Guess who prepares the meal? Martha. And Mary is there, and Mary... As they come in all dirty, she's the one that cleans his feet and wipes his feet with her hair. Three times we see that. What does that mean? If you have Middle Eastern eyes on, you know what it is to fall at someone's feet or to place yourself there. When you see her at the house, if you're using your Western eyes, you're like, oh, she's one of those hippies. She doesn't want to sit on the couch or the chair. She just likes to lounge on the ground. Or she's lazy. She's got bad posture. I don't know what went through your mind when you saw that, but if you had Middle Eastern eyes, you'd go, oh, wow. Mary has this rhythm. She has this pattern where she is humble and she's reverent and she's teachable. She's not trying to be in control. She's coming to learn. Now, there's tons that happened when the, the disciples showed up. We don't know what else happened. Maybe Mary cleaned their feet. Mary, maybe Mary um, set out the drinks. I don't know. We don't know what Martha did. Martha might have hugged all of them and been interacting and asked them questions about their trip. So the point is, is not the behavior. It's what's going on underneath. Martha is distracted. She has a pattern, as we see in other places in Scripture, where she wants to be in control. She wants to be the drummer. She wants to decide how things should be. We see this jarring example where she jumps in and messes up the rhythm 
of Jesus being with Mary and everyone being together. But Mary has this pattern of coming to Jesus reverently and teachable. She's a disciple. She's an apprentice. And that's in her heart. So when Jesus says she has chosen the one thing and it won't be taken from her, that's what he's saying Martha should do. She should be humble and reverent and teachable. And not just with Jesus, but with Mary and everyone else that's there. Stop trying to be the boss of everything. Let me be the boss. I'm the drummer. If you try to take over, the song's going to go off. It's going to go off balance. This is so critical for us in Orange County. You hear it all the time. People are like, I just don't know if I can stay living here because there's a rhythm. There's a beat that's happening around you. Sometimes it's for busyness. Sometimes it's, well, the pace of life, yeah, the pace of life is too fast here. But there's other places you could go in the country where it's too slow. Don't Don't complain about the culture around you. Pay attention as a follower of Jesus to the rhythm that he wants you to be in. Come to him reverently, humble, teachable. Lord, how should I do this? How many sports should I have my kids in? Should they be in any sports? How important is school? How important is homework? How important is my job, Lord? How many hours should I work? Is this too little? Is this too much? Give me guidance, Father. Show me in your word. I want to look at you and see the pattern. How should I interact with my family? They just did this. My coworkers just did this. How should I respond? There's so many questions that we have. So are you distracted? Are you overly busy? Is there something inside of you where you know it's just off? That's usually the the reminder, like, I'm not walking in the spirit, but I'm walking by the flesh. Whether you're from here, maybe you're from out of town and visiting. Wherever you go back to, there's a rhythm there. The way that the world does things. But you need to be attuned to the rhythm of the kingdom, the rhythm of the Holy Spirit, to God's way of doing things. You know what a rhythm is? It's a pattern. You know what another way to say is a pattern is? It's just something that someone does all the time. Jesus has things he does all the time. We're going to look at that. One of the things we're going to talk about is the fact that Jesus always seems to pull away to get time alone with the Father. He's Jesus. Why does he need to do that? I know it's a pattern because he does it all the time. It's a rhythm in his life. We should have our eyes attuned to that. We see how he interacts with Martha. So we know that's how I should respond when something goes off. That doesn't mean we always will. Sometimes that beat is so loud and you just fall in line with it. But we get reminded, you know what, this is not the rhythm that I'm going to. This is not how I'm going to live life. I've made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow that rhythm. It doesn't mean you don't fall off sometimes. That's how it works. We're human. But we've got to ask ourselves, who is the drummer in our life? Who's the one that's setting the tone? The other thing I want us to to come to realize here is that everyone needs to be in a band. I don't mean you need to start picking up an instrument. I mean you need to be with a crew of people. You notice that with Jesus, there's a pattern, something he's always doing. He's always with a group of people. He has his three closest friends. Then he has his larger circle, then a larger circle, and then a larger circle. And then he gets to the point where he just can't get to them. You'll see him go through a crowd, and he heals some people, 
but he also walks by some people because he can't get to everyone. Even Jesus can't. But there's an emphasis. This life of faith is not meant to be lived alone. I have an aunt, and I'm pretty sure she doesn't go to church anymore. She's not part of any groups. She's a beautiful woman. She's the one, through her prayers, I believe, brought me to Christ. Because in my family, my immediate family, it just was not the pattern of our life. Nowhere around me. But I'm pretty sure she stays home and watches people teach on TV, and her faith is her own. I'm not positive of that, but I know plenty of people around here that are doing that. In Orange County, in Missouri, in Maryland, we were designed to be in community. This this life that we're called to live was meant to be with others or in a band. Jesus had his band. They even called them the band of disciples, right? And part of that crew are Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Those are his friends, as we're going to see next week. If that's a pattern in his life, it needs to be a pattern in our life. You know what happens here on a Sunday morning? What happens on a Sunday morning is all the bands are getting together. This is not the band. This is impossible. Can you imagine if we all had instruments trying to stay together? Impossible. But you need to have a group. I was just talking to a guy this morning, and we were talking about the emphasis, the importance of being with other guys. And I said, hey, there's a group of guys that meet on Monday mornings. That's just one of the groups that meets on Monday morning, 6.30 at Harbor House. I have permission, by the way, to just throw that out there. So it's not one of those closed groups where they're going to come up and yell at me because I broke the rhythm of how it is. Because some of these groups are more individualistic. Like, they know they add people, the trust isn't there. This is one of those groups where, come on, man. We need each other. You need us. We need you. Show up. There's women's groups that do the same thing. I'm not a woman, so I don't have memorized all the times they meet. I know in the summer there's going to be one larger group of women that get together. There's larger groups of men that go on retreats and get away for those things. There are home groups, groups of people that say, you know what, we're going to walk with each other. And we're going to try to put up with each other and be together. And when you're in that group, you help each other to be in rhythm. Like even though Tyler and Kirsten knew that song, it's because they decided, hey, I'm going to listen to that rhythm and fall in, that they were able to jump in. As you're falling in line with the Lord, and then you have others that are like-minded, that want to have that same rhythm, you can help each other. If you are trying to live this life of faith on your own, you're not living it the way you were designed to live. In uh, September, I've wanted to do this for a while, and I'm just going to add it to my responsibility. We're going to start things called triads. If you know anything about English, triad means three. Groups of three men, groups of three women, much like Jesus had his three, right? Peter, James, and John. Those were his close ones. Those were the, the close people that he brought near to him. We're going to encourage people that don't already have a group to consider doing one of those groups. For what purpose? To find that rhythm. To look at each other's life, to lay it out to the other person and say, hey, I'm teachable to you as well. Because I believe the Lord teaches other people. And I believe that I can learn something from you because I know you're following the Lord and I want to do that. So how would you handle this situation? Another way we say is that everybody needs to have a Peter. I mean, sorry, that's not true. Everyone needs to have a Paul, which is a mentor. Everyone needs to have a Barnabas, which is a peer, and everyone needs to have a Timothy, someone they're pouring into. That's a rhythm that you need to have. 
Do you have someone mentoring you? Do you have someone you're walking alongside with life? Do you have someone you're pouring into? That's the intention. If you don't have that, it's going to be hard to maintain that rhythm. I want to close with this. I was, I was talking to a friend, wrestling with this, and I knew being with another person that he could show me things I didn't see, and he quoted this passage. And I remembered it right away, and I went, oh, that is so good. It's from Jesus. This is from the message translation. You may know this in uh, other translations when Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so Eugene Peterson, who understands and has Middle Eastern eyes, takes this passage and he puts it in language we can understand, and this is what he says. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. I love this line right here. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. When you get into those moments when you're out of rhythm, you won't feel free and you won't feel light. That's just going to happen. There's no way to make that disappear. But you can come to him. You can walk with him. You can watch how he does it and learn and relearn and get back into rhythm, the unforced rhythms of grace. And that's what we're going to be looking at, how to get in rhythm with Jesus. So if you're able, could you uh, join me and stand? And I want to pray for us. I'm also going to pray for the offering because I forgot to do it earlier. And then the band is going to lead us in prayers and lead us in a rhythm of prayer. Father God, we want to surrender to you. We want to learn your rhythm. I ask that I and the other teachers and people that will be sharing over the next few weeks that you will um, anoint us and give us insight into your rhythms. But even more importantly, Lord, that we would all have eyes and ears to feel and know your truths. Lord, as we abide in you, if we, as you say, let you be the vine and us be the branches, then we'll bear much fruit and we'll be in rhythm. Lord, show us how to do that as a church, as a people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Deep breath. Uh, I have to, um, I, I get the privilege of confessing to you what a real piece of work I am. So, um, I had a, a Martha Mary moment like years, like years ago, probably 17 years ago, about. Um, we had a really awesome neighbor and his wife um, who helped my wife and I early in our Christian walk, like, navigate a few things, like, how we should be doing things. And um, now, that's just a side, or a side note is you have to do some quick math. So three times seven 
21, right? Minus 1. Okay. We'll just subtract 1 real quick. My wife would cook three squares a day for the family. And then one day, one night a week, so that's the minus 1. So she would cook and clean it all up. And then the one night that she would run off to her friend's house to watch a TV show with her, I would clean up. And I was cleaning up, and here's where I became Martha. There's our youngest daughter hated me. As soon as mom left, tears, just screaming and tantrum. And like, whatever. So I had to deal with that and try to remain sane. And then I'm cleaning up what's left over of dinner and, and all the mess. And then the phone rings and I answer it and it's the wife of my buddy a couple doors down. And there I am complaining to her that I'm doing all this and I, without thinking of the other 20 times a week and being completely selfish and an idiot. And she gently said, Jim, Jim. <laughs> and I like, and then she's like, well, well, why are you doing it? You know, are you doing it for some thanks or are you doing it for... She's like, you live there, right? Like, and you know, at that point I realized, oh, wow. What an idiot. How out of rhythm with my wife am I? You know, and it was painful. It, it is now. It really is right now to do this in front of you. So, um, yeah. It's pretty out of rhythm. Got to find that. So, there's my confession. Do with it what you will. Um, I'm going to close this in prayer. And I need to remind you to uh, step into rhythm. Like I get to watch your kids, your little ones, your, your little babies. And we clean up. And the elementary and everybody else cleans up. So try to find some rhythm with those guys. And help them out. All right. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way it's touched my heart. Um, I ask you to uh, be with us this week. Keep us safe. Bring the band back together next week. Hopefully we find some rhythm with each other and the ones we love. In Jesus' name. Amen.